Welcome to the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Will, and I'm joined today again by Haley Piper. Haley, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Pretty good, just getting ready for uh, AuthorCon coming up, getting all my ducks in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Yeah, I'm having trouble like getting everything together and actually prepping myself mentally because I can't believe it's been a year since the last one already. I know it's it's wild, but I'm excited to to go back. Me too. So last time I asked you what your favorite horror movie was, but this time I want to know what is your favorite movie you've seen lately? Oh shoot. <laughs> I don't know what I've seen lately. Uh what have I seen lately? You know, I just recently watched American Psycho for the first time. No way. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I hadn't. I'd seen like bits and pieces and of course, like the memes and stuff. But my wife and I were both just like, we need to get around to watching that. We need to get around. It's like, you know, it's been out for what, 24 years at this point. Um, So we finally did and really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really good. I I know there's a Broadway play of it now, too, which I think is really funny. (laughs) Yeah, I I can't even imagine (laughs) how that works. But yeah, the book, I remember growing up as one of my favorites because it's like so weird and grotesque and like hostile to read. But the movie was really good, too. Yeah, the movies, I, I haven't read the book. I've heard the movies very different from the from the book as far as like the approach, I guess. Yeah, I think it's more humorous in the movie. Yeah, like the it's, book. it's pretty satirical of the uh, whole like... Uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, what it's what it's exactly satirizing, that kind of whole lifestyle idea, the the whole like this is the man way on Wall Street kind of situation that he's kind of uh kind of obsessed with presenting to hide his uh I don't know, his yeah. murderous tendencies. His psychopathy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like how uh, every little detail he goes over, like his morning routine, his exercise, like he's so obsessed with himself and he sees like nothing outside of himself. Right. Yeah, in the book, like the humor was different. Like the humor was definitely still there, but it was like a different type of humor because there'd be these long lists and it'd be kind of a drag to read at times. But I think it was meant to be. because it was like this guy is just into everything about himself and fashion and whether or not Donald Trump is at a certain restaurant at a certain time. Like he mentions him like a dozen times in the book. Yeah. I I noticed, you know, in the movie takes place in the eighties and I guess the book is from then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a really good one. I don't think I ever asked you, what is the book that made you want to write? Oh, um, I mean, I've been writing a little bit since I was, since I was little, but I think the one that really pushed me into wanting to be a writer was uh, Stephen King's it. Oh man, I love that one. Yeah, that's that was I I read it pretty young, but it was like it was I I didn't realize books could be like that. Mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it, and that was kind of like I stayed up till probably two in the morning the night I finished it. Like I was just going through like the last two or three hundred pages all in one go, and I was just I was just awed, and I was just like I I want to I want to be able to make people feel like this. <laughs> It's an amazing book because it's a good coming of age book, but it's also extremely horrifying. Like the characters, by the time you get to the end, they feel like family or people you grew up right. with. Right. And just the I I think that was that might have been her, that, you know, the the way things change in the climax. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was also part of what did that to me. Yeah. 
But the clown, I think, is just terrifying, especially when you're looking at like the mural and stuff and his role in like past events and like going over history. It's like the clown is always there in some shape. Yeah. What did you think of the movies? I only watched the first one. I wasn't <laughs> the, the I heard how the, how the second one kind of deviated a lot and that they like kind of how they I, I know the climax from the book is pretty much unfilmable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I was just, I, I heard about how it finishes. and I was just like, you know what? The first one was really good. And I think you could just that can stand. It's so good. It can stand alone. So I was just kind of like, I didn't I didn't watch part two. Yeah. The first one was a good standalone movie, come to think of it, because it was all about them as children. And I think that's the more interesting part of the book, too. It is. And, and I think, right. And I think a lot of people notice that, like, the, the adult storyline is kind of a, up until late on, it's kind of a frame story. I, honestly, even towards the end. But but once you get to the climax, that was one of the neat things with the climax in the book. It's dovetailing even mid-sentence between the uh, the adult side and the kid's side. Um, to to kind of show the mirror of their con- final confrontations with Pennywise. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what the prequel is going to be like. How they're going to do that? <laughs> HBO said there's one called Welcome to Dairy coming out. Yeah, and I'm kind of apprehensive about it because usually prequels, like the Hannibal prequel, the prequel to um, almost any good horror movie, is never quite as good. I. I mean, I do understand the motivation for it. I do think Pennywise can sustain a franchise type of situation beyond a story, especially since you have that, you know, 27 year cycle. Um, So I don't know if they're going to have it starting out like the 1800s or something or if it's because <laughs> they haven't really released many details. All we know is that it's an it prequel. Yeah. Um, so you could tell a whole story that just takes place in a time period that like each season could be, you know, a different like the, but I don't know how that would really work. I mean, they're, they're the, um, I mean, the rules of that are that the cycle, you know, hit the killing spree begins with and ends with a grandiose moment of violence. Like there's the one in the 1800s where the, um, the guy goes crazy and like chops up all the people inside the tavern. There's um, the one with um, Mike's father when uh, the the club gets gets burned and he sees the giant bird. Like, and that's the end of that killing spree. But like, those aren't Pennywise. They kind of just signify Pennywise is coming back and that he's going back to sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just like you could tell a whole story. I mean, it's got a you know, it's got the each of those would ha- could have the beats of a whole story. I'm seeing it. Have you ever seen um from have you seen House of the Dragon on HBO? No. It's kind of interesting the way it's set up is like they jump like 50 years at a time in their storytelling throughout one season. So one season covers really yeah, one season covers almost a lifetime. Wow. So I'm kind okay. of picturing like that as the framework. They might be looking to that as uh, as how to go about it. It'd be interesting to see. see. <laughs> yeah. But so we're here to talk about your new book, Even the Worm Will Turn, coming out April 22nd. What can you tell us about that? Um, well, it's uh, it's the sequel to The Worm and His Kings, uh, my cosmic horror novella that came out in uh, November 2020. Um, it's my first sequel. So 
I'm honestly not sure what I can, I'm allowed to tell because it's kind of one of those things where it's like, how much of this is spoiling the first book and how much is, you know, it's kind of complicated, but I'm like, inevitably you're going to have to say some stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, it picks up four years after the worm and his Kings. Um, Donna, who was the girlfriend of the main character, Monique from the first book is kind of just trying to lead a low key life. You know, she's just trying to get her situation back together after everything that happened in the first book. And she's abducted by operatives of a of a mysterious organization who seem to know something about what happened um, with the cult and monsters and things four years ago. And they want she's not sure what they want, um, but they're de- they're definitely playing with something bigger than the, themselves and something too dangerous for them to be touching. And now she's wrapped up in it, too. And what were some of the challenges writing a sequel? Because sequels to me, it's like, uh, I, I fear them, especially like starting one out. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, this it, it took a lot. It, it had to be. I wrote it and then I had to completely rewrite it. Um, it was it was messy. It was difficult. Um, I knew because the thing is, with one of the things people have asked me about the Worm and his Kings is, was there some... Were, was there anything you didn't get to touch on? Because you've got, I've got this cosmic horror lore spinning like this God and this parallel universe and stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, but it's a novella. You can't get into everything. And I didn't really have a reason for Monique from the first book to get into that stuff. So it's kind of using the sequel to advance the story while also getting to explore elements of the, of the fiction um, that I didn't get to touch on in the first book. Um, so it's kind of a balance to, to me. So it's kind of more sprawling a little bit. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I guess I'll leave that to the readers to decide. <laughs> I'm not sure. Cause it's, the, it's also a novella. They're, they're about the same, same. Size. So, but I think it overall, it becomes more sprawling if you take the two books together. Okay. I'm excited to check it out. I haven't actually read the first one yet, but I'll have to read it before I get the second one. <laughs> yeah. I And even for people, like people who re- will just be reading the first one, they can hop right in to the second one afterward. And and if even if people who haven't read the, haven't looked at the first one since it came out years ago, there's, you know, it recaps things, you know, here and there, like a chapter will be like, stuff like that to try to, make sure people won't be too lost if they haven't read the first book in a while. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you're not writing? Like, how do you relax and actually like come <laughs> back to earth? Cause I have um, trouble with that. And I was interested to hear about how other people do it. I, I don't feel like I'm here very much. I just, uh, I I'm reading or watching a movie or playing. I'm, I'm kind of like disconnected, I think from things because how to put this like with social media, I feel like the news invades you as opposed to you watching the news like it used to be. So it's kind of just like, I don't I feel like I've, I absorb as much as I say of that. I guess that's, the, I guess that's the answer is like, I waste time on social media when I'm not <laughs> writing. I shouldn't be doing that. I should be, I, I, I enjoy reading books and, and watching stuff and, and all that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I guess I don't get out much is the easiest way to put it. 
sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's nice to be a little bit away from the world. Yeah, I I'm just I've always been a homebody. So stuff like like getting to go to AuthorCon uh, at the end of the month is um, I don't know when this comes out, but at the end of March is is exciting. It's it's something to to go get involved in and you know meet readers and and other writers and such. Oh yeah. I was surprised last time I was there because I was like, I don't know what it's going to be like to be in a room full of other authors because <laughs> it was my first experience being at a signing with my first book. And I was pleasantly surprised. Like everyone there is so welcoming. There are no clicks. Oh, yeah. Like everyone there wants to meet other people. It yeah, was it's, fun. It's really cool. Are you going to do a karaoke this year? No, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that to people who uh, are more motivated than I am. <laughs> It's a fun time. I mean, I like making a fool of myself a little bit. <laughs> well, Haley, thank you so much for coming back. It's been fun. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is great. <laughs> hey, you have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. Hey, Family Fright Night listeners. It's your host, Chase Will, here to quickly tell you about my latest novel, Moving Through, available now at Amazon.com. Moving Through follows a group of high school seniors as they mourn the death of their mentor while inciting a school-wide rebellion against censorship. Clay McLeod Chapman, author of Ghost Eaters, calls Moving Through a clenched jaw of a novel, complete with brutally candid prose that reads like gritted teeth. Anderson Prunty, author of Dreaditation, calls Moving Through a visceral soul punch of a book. You can find Moving Through at Amazon.com or at ChaseWill.com. Hope you check it out.